we do anything, just sit back and relax and uh, cast your eyes on the screen. Good morning, apartment. Ready to start the day. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up. Yes, overpriced coffee. That's $37. Awesome. Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song. It's cool when we're part of the team. Everything is awesome. Ah, no, guys, wait up. <laughs> Where am I? Come with me if you want to not die. What is happening? You're the special. And the prophecy states that you're the most important person in the universe. That's you, right? Uh, yes. That's me. Relax, everybody, I'm here. Batman? Awesome! Who are you here to see? I'm here to see your butt. Oh my gosh! Uh, pow! Wham! First try! My fellow master builders. Hello! Lord Business plans to end the world as we know it. There is yet one hope. The special has arisen. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person to lead us. And you are right. <laughs> A house divided against itself would be better than this. Abraham Lincoln! I'm not the special. I'm just a regular, normal guy. You have the ability to be the special because I believe in you. Robots, destroy him! Aloha, loser! We're winging. That's a bad pun. Take him to the melding chamber. Isn't there supposed to also be a good cop? Hi, buddy. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, actually. Too bad. We are entering your mind. What? I don't think he's ever had an original thought. That's not true. Introducing the double-decker couch. So everyone could watch TV together and be buddies. That is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let me handle this. That idea is just the worst. To the Batmobile. Dang it. To the invisible jet! Dang it. <laughs> Who have seen the, the movie? Anyone? <laughs> no one's seen the movie yet. Who's doing Salvation Call later? Paul, is it? If you never watch it, you need to come, come to the front and get prayed for. I tell you, something wrong with you if you never watch Lego movie. Now, hey, <laughs> this is this is a lot of effects. <laughs> Lego movie. How who, who loves Legos anyway? It's it's an age-old toys that everyone enjoys, you know. And if you've never watched the movie, um, I'm not here to promote the movie. But anyway, it's it's up to you if you want to watch it or not. But I'll just give you a bit of um. A rundown of what it's about. Um, Lego Movie. It's 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 incredible. Um, you know, the story goes where many years ago, as you know, Legos has got duplos. It's got different types of Legos. Legoland, or used to be called Legoland, as Lego City, Lego System, Techniques, um, Knights, and uh, Space, all sorts of things. And in the movie, the story goes where many 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 years ago. The different series used to mix together, you know, you have, you know how they all interlocked and all compatible. And the, the different Lego world, dif different Lego series used to mix together 
and um, they used to come together and create something new, um, totally out of the, 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 the way you, you built it from a manual. So they, they come together, creativity fl flourished, um, different designs starts to appear, and um, it's just the, the whole Lego world basically blossomed with new and creative designs, okay? But, as always a but, it was too much for a lot of business up there. It was too chaotic for him, and you know, Lego pieces is just, just not meant to be mixed together. Um, and law business wants to be in control of absolutely everything in the Lego world, including the little tiny Lego people. He wants the world to be in order. He, he doesn't want chaos. He wants everything to be tidy. Duplos not supposed to mix with space. Super superheroes not supposed to mix with um, um, the fairy land sort of thing. Everything's supposed to just group by itself. Anyone feels like that? Or because you're in Byron Bay, you mix everything together. But, you know, it's, um, it's when Lord Business rose to power, he could not stand there as doing his head in. So he took control of the entire Lego universe. He, he put everything in order. Each Lego series went back to its own world. And they're not supposed, they're not allowed, in fact, to cross over to each other's world. So in a way, creativity was killed and um, it was nice, it was tidy, it was in con a controlled environment but it, it wasn't enough for Lord Business just because they all gone back to their own world but you know they still inter-design, inter-built they still take apart stuff and build it among themselves so you have the different duplos starts springing, springing up as well and is absolutely doing his head in. Lord Business does not like that. So ultimately, he conceived a secret plan, an, an evil plan to end the world as they know it, which means he's going to let the Lego series all built into what they're supposed to be building. A car supposed to be a car, not become a spaceship, like how Rowie normally likes to do it, just not according to the manual. You know, so they're supposed to build into their own stuff, original stuff, and law business is gonna use glue to glue everything down, so that they're supposed to just look nice and supposed to be what they're supposed to be on the box, and you're not supposed to touch them, not supposed to move them around. So that's the plan of law business to glue everything down, and then. We have Emmett, the, the little ordinary orange construction guy, come into the picture. You know, he was, he was happily playing by the rule, totally, totally oblivious to what was going on at the background. He was living his life day in and day out. He was in control of his life, as you've seen on the screen. Everything was working fine. Everything was awesome. And then he stumbled upon the secret plan of Lord Business. And his life was suddenly turned upside down from a very controlled, very predictable environment to one who was living on the edge and with totally unpredictable outcome. But at the same time, as you've seen him in the Batmobile flying around, it was fun, it was exciting, it was awesome. And it totally turned out to be 
to be worthwhile in the end. So, so together with the master builders, the, the surviving creative people supposedly, Emmett set out to destroy the plan of Lord Business. And so the um, adventure began of how they restore freedoms to the different Lego world, how they restored creative design uh, among the Lego pieces. And um, I was sitting there watching the movie. You know how, um, if you're familiar with Second Samuel, when Nathan the prophet came to King David one day after, after he did some wrong things, and Nathan said, give out a few analogy, and Nathan said in the end, you are that man to King David. And I was sitting there, I feel like someone's saying to me, you are that man, Lord Business because I don't like missing Lego pieces around. As Karen can testify, as doing my head in, in uh, at home when Rowie mixing all the different series up together, you are that man. You are Lord Business. I was sitting next to Sue and Rowie and Haley and, and Bob was happily snoring away. But no one there was speaking to me, you are that man. Somehow I heard it from somewhere. So anyway, maybe God was speaking, I don't know. Lord Business likes to be in control. I like to be in control, you know, wh especially when it comes to Lego. It's just meant to build it like what's on the box. See, who likes to be in control? Oh, no one's fasting up. <laughs> You'll be like me then, I'm not alone. You, 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 you. You probably don't like mixing your Lego pieces around. John and Chris. Yes, Chris is shaking her head. I'm not alone. You know, we feel secure to be in control of our lives. We feel secure to be in control of the Lego pieces. Nothing's missing and we feel good. You know, being in control in a particular situation means we're able to predict the outcome. We're able to, to build it as it is. We're able to see the end result. There's a sense of safety to be in control, isn't it? And there's no surprises. You know, you, you, you won't lose pieces. You know exactly each piece fits where. And we feel powerful to be in control. Right? Yes, Chris? <laughs> we feel powerful to be in control. Let's turn to Mark if you've got your Bible or you can look at the screen. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Start off by saying... Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. But they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left the nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher servants and followed him. Great passage. Now, if you've gone through Neville Strong's Bible boot camp, you know that the key word in Mark is immediately, immediately, immediately. And it, it, it's got that sense throughout the whole book of Mark. 
and just so you don't miss the tone that Mark tried to portray in his gospel, everything was happening real fast. Everything was in a in a really fast pace. It was almost a sense of urgency when you read the book. And by the time you finish reading Mark, you probably need some Ventolin and inhale them and get your lungs open again, you know. And just between the in the same chapter between verse sixteen and thirty four. Immediately they left the nets. Verse eighteen. Immediately he called them. Immediately on the Sabbath. Immediately that was in their synagogue. At once, which is the same Greek word as immediately, his fame spread. Immediately he left the synagogue. Immediately they told him about her. Immediately you need your puffer. It was. It was. It was urgent. It was. It was. It was really um, fast. And as Jesus began his public ministry, in verse fifteen, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Right after that verse, everything happened real fast. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Bang, 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 bang. The time has come. Salvation is here. Come quickly, everyone. Listen and see for yourself. This Jesus, whom the prophets prophesied for over hundreds of years, he has come. And redeemed us from our sins immediately. Immediately, come on, quickly. That's what Mark's trying to say. Urgent. People's lives are at stake here. And I don't know if you watched any of um, who know Rick Stein, the celebrity chef in England. Yes, you, you're getting ready to go, isn't it? <laughs> Rick Stein. And I was watching the the um, the food traveling show. Love him. Great, funny man, but you know, great sense of taste. And he was traveling down. Hey, <laughs> better than MKR, by the way. Um, he was traveling down the Mediterranean, uh, going through Middle East and all that. And he, because his uh, his specialty is in seafood, and he um, inevitably inevitably bump into fishermen along the coast. And you know, if you know the the lives of those fishermen in the Mediterranean, it's as if Thousands of years hasn't changed their lifestyle. They're, they're happy. They're carefree. They um, they just the attitude is totally relaxed. Okay, so they seem not to have a care in the world. And being fishermen, Peter and Andrew, they're probably uh, I would say, I, and I imagine them to be a fairly relaxed people. They have a fairly relaxed lifestyle, and they probably live by the shores on the Sea of Galilee. You know, waterfront property, kind of a million dollar view, like what you get in Byron Bay, except there's probably not many people to fight the view with you. They derived their livelihood from the richness of the Sea of Galilee. And, um, you know, it's, it's a sea that's full of produce, full of fish, full of different kinds of fish, and, and it's rich um, in that sea. And they're probably living in fulfillment of of the blessing of Jacob when Isaac pronounced it over him uh, before Isaac died in Genesis that says, "May God give you the jewel of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine." It's an absolute blessing to be living by the shore of, of this Sea of Galilee, catching different fish and. And like Rick Stein, you just cook them differently and enjoy them. So they were having the time of their lives. 
Peter and Andrew, and they're certainly living a comfortable life. They, they're content. They probably see no need to change. They were ab- in absolute control of their lives, right? Every day was predictable. They woke up in the morning, made some coffee, which is now becoming the biblical drink. Thank you, Joseph. They made some coffee with milk. Has to be full fat milk. Amen. They baked some 60 degree baked egg with Middle Eastern paprika, hot paprika on it. They barbecued some lamb sausages for breakfast because they're Jewish. They're none of those bacon stuff, they're kosher, okay? So they have lamb sausages, no bacon, it's lamb sausages. And they grab a copy of the morning edition of newspaper, sit by the Lake of Galilee and enjoy their morning that way. Once they contend, they go out and fish some more with Andrew, with John and James and work together, caught some fish, sold some, get some money and kept some fish, return home in the afternoon, prepare dinner with mom and dad, spend a bit of family time, checking out his veggie patch maybe, patch up holes in the fishing nets, post some photos on Instagram, checking Facebook, catching up with friends, dinner cook, family time, bedtime. Every day was predictable. They were very content. They were very controlled of their life. They're having the time of their life. They're living the dream. Okay? Everything was awesome. But one day, while well, everything was um, just seemed ordinary, every day seems the, the day started off normal. The day seemed predictable. They're just doing the thing and uh, had a full breakfast. They went out and uh, trying to mend the nets. <coughs> Suddenly, Andrew caught in the corner of his eyes someone walking by the shore, coming towards them. And Andrew was telling Peter, Hey, Peter, guess what? Who is that? Oh, that's, that's Jesus of Nazareth. Remember? We were, um, we were just with John the Baptist when John the Baptist said, Here's the Lamb of God. Here's the Messiah. Remember what I told you when I came home that day, Peter? And Peter was saying, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I bumped into him, and he, he said to me, your name's not, not, um, not, not uh, Peter anymore, uh, not uh, Simon anymore. Your name is Cephas. Wow, that blew me away. And remember the time when we were at the wedding at Ghana? He turned the water into wine, and that, that Jesus, this Jesus that's coming towards us, man, he's the real deal. Oh, here he comes. Hello, Jesus. How you going? How you going? Jesus got an Aussie accent, probably. And they met Jesus on the shore. You know, they have encountered Jesus before. This was not the first time they bumped into him. They've seen the miracles he performed in Ghana in that wedding when he turned water into wine. And their hearts are ready to recognize him as the Jewish Messiah. The Messiah prophesied in the scriptures over hundreds of years and confirmed now by John the Baptist, here's the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. But, were they ready to forsake a comfortable life to follow him? Were they prepared to let go of the predict- predictable lifestyle and follow this man who then maybe will make their life unpredictable walking on the edge? Were they prepared to not be control of their lives 
for the first time in their lives, knowing that the road ahead might be full of the unknowns. Were they prepared to entrust their lives, their everything to this man? And what difference would it make if they do that? You know, I wish I have a, a crazy, sensational testimony to tell you standing here of how dramatic my life has changed, of how I was a drug addict and living by the side of the road every day, uh, almost losing my life in the gutter, um, you know, until one fateful day when I see the glorious light when Jesus appeared in the light and called me and then tears streaming down my face, I repent in dust and ashes. I wish my testimony was like that. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> Before I met Christ, my, my life was pretty ordinary. I was very content. You know, I didn't do drugs. I drank no alcohol. I never slept around. My life was great. Growing up in a typical middle-class Chinese-Malaysian home. You know, in a healthy family, mom and dad together, everything was going well for me. I was like a, the crown prince in the Chong clan. Man, I was having the time of, of my life. I finished my study, came to Australia at a tender age of 18. Sounds like a long time ago. Life was comfortable. My dad paid pay for it. Everything, you know, I didn't have to take up part-time study. Thank God for that. There was no financial problem. My, my study was good. I was doing well. There's no need to, to change my situation. Everything was awesome for me, all right? I was like, Emmett, everything was awesome. But until I met Christ that year, you know, until someone brought me to church, the Chinese church, mind you, that year, why should my life change? Why should I run the risk of being disowned by my father if I became a Christian, right? And mind you, it's a big thing for, for us Chinese to become a Christian, by the way, as you have probably known my story. It's like forsaking our identity. Why would I want to do that when my life was awesome anyway? Because it was better. It's because, it's, it's not because um, there were nice food after the church service when I was going to the church that it was better. Although that's always a bonus. But, you know, it was better because Jesus said that he has come that we may have life and life abundant. I may have everything going on for me, but deep down I know that something's always missing, you know. A sense of peace in life was almost o always missing. But Jesus came to fill in that void. I realized that no matter how perfect my life was, I'm still fallen short. I don't measure up to God's standard. I need to be reconciled back to God. So Jesus came to Peter and Andrew and simply said, Come, follow me. I know your hearts are ready. I know you're prepared to give up control of your lives, even though the road ahead is unpredictable, even though you wouldn't know how your three meals will, will come, but it's, that's okay. It'll be better. It'll be worthwhile. Trust me. I'm the Messiah. I'm God. I'm in control. But what does it mean by God is in control when we do that? What is this Christian 
cliche that you heard all the time, God is in control. When we are giving God control, does it mean that you know, we became like puppets in a puppet show, controlled by a few strings to do stuff? You know, Rowie's been making Lego movies, some of you probably seen his work. He's using my iPad <coughs> and use a, a an app in the in the iPad to to just do stop motion and do his Lego stuff. And one day he's discovered that we can use string to to pull the the uh, fighter jet and slowly land onto the ground to create his own Lego movie. I should show it actually. I should have <laughs> Because it's fun and have a little bit to do with my message. But anyway, come to go go to Rowie if you want to find out more. But does it mean that when we give up control and let God be in control, our lives become like the puppet? Is that what it means by God is in control? In fact, I will even go as far as challenge that notion of God is in control. Sometimes people see God as, a, as like a control freak almost. You know, you ma manipulate the situations and people like a tyrant. Some people see God as almost like a tyranny sort of, sort of feature, like Lord Business trying to manipulate the situation to suit his own purpose and agenda. Is God like that? Is God like that? Many of you know I love moto sports. I love um, Formula One. I love um, MotoGP, Grand Prix. I love um, WRC, particularly in WRC, which is World Rally Championship. You have the rally car um, you know, going through different stages, the French Alps, desert snow, different locations. It's, it's more exciting than just in a racetrack going round and round the circle. That's why I love WRC. Anyone watch WRC? Uh-huh, Aaron, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your Facebook post I know what you're doing <coughs> and the best is a Subaru WRX is that your thing? yeah the best is you know the WRX became airborne over a crest landed without losing control of the car amazing stuff you know amazing skills the driver had and let's, let's not forget the co-driver too what does the co-driver do? he holds a mat of the current stage in his hands, isn't it? And he read out directions ahead, ahead of the, the car, left two over crest, right hairpin, and the driver react um, just accordingly. And both of them work together to race towards the finish line. And for me, at least, you know, when we gave our life to God, I, I think that it works like this. It doesn't mean that God's taking control of the car. It doesn't mean that God is driving the car for you. You know, you see, you and I, we're still the driver, right? And that's how I see it. God is the co-driver in the rally car. But does the hands of the co-driver come over to steer the steering wheel for you? No, you, you end up crashing the car, isn't it? But as you drive along, as you hold it, that steering with your skills, with your talents, you learn to depend on the co-driver. You learn to trust your co-driver. And your co-driver still expects you to drive the car, right? You still need to brake when you need to brake the car. You still need to shift gear when it's necessary. You still need to accelerate 
when it's appropriate. You still need to drive the car, but the co-driver is giving out directions for you to follow. But when he's not, you're meant to drive the car, as the car's meant to be driven. So God is in control. doesn't mean that he controls your life like a puppet. I think, that's how I think, that God becomes the co-driver in our lives. You're given a brain, and I, I think God expects you to, to use your brain a little bit sometimes to make decisions for yourselves, to make judgments for yourselves, to use a little common sense. And that way, the co-driver and the driver works together across the finish line. Philippians 4, 6-7, very famous passage. In fact, was like one of my earliest memory scriptures in, as, as I became a Christian. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, or some, uh, uh, some versions say supplications, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. <coughs> Sometimes things are out of our control. You know, we become nervous. We become anxious. When people start mixing the Lego pieces together, we become anxious and nervous. We can't predict the, the unpredictable when that happens. Now I do that every year, you know, during the storm season when my car's parked outside work. The sky's turning green, the dark clouds are rolling in. So what did I do? I went to the bomb website, Bureau of Meteorology website, check out the, the weather warning. Severe thunderstorm warning, I hate that word. Large hailstorm expected in the Northern Rivers region, which includes Byron Bay, Lismore, and Brunswick Heads. Oh, I hate that word. No, I'm anxious. I'm worried about my car, my Honda. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do but pray. <laughs> Lord, please spare my car. You know, at the core of it, we wanted to be in control to spare us the anxiety and worry of the unforeseen. And the Apostle Paul told the Philippians to stop worrying. Stop being overly anxious, period. There's no exception. And here they have every reason to be worrying. You know, Paul was in prison when he was writing this. The Philippians, they're facing severe persecution. They're threatened with persecution. They have everything to be worried. And it's not because Paul was trying to trivialize the troubles they face, but because he knows that God is greater than all their troubles. He was like almost saying, relax, just be joyful, rest in God, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything, not just financially, not just emotionally, spiritually, every situation in life, work life, family life, ministry lives, everything. And the three words here that Paul used, prayer, petition or supplication, requests, the three words here, they're all terms related to prayer, but with slightly different nuances. And, you know, prayer shifts our focus 
from ourselves to God, right? Prayers brings us in worshipping God. And that is so important. Relationship with God is first and foremost. And for Paul, you come to God. You worship God first. Before any request or petition. You, you worship God. And worship catches the heart of God. With thanksgiving. You know, when we, when we give thanks, we remember the goodness of God and what He has done in the past. That's why you give thanks for things that has happened in the past. And you are confident that a God who is, who is eternal and never change is a God that can be relied upon for future, for any further blessings that He might have in store for you. So Paul says, don't worry. Don't worry. And the peace of God, this is, this is the best, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, you know, over, over this, when Paul wrote that, it's almost like he's trying to remind the Philippians with what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace of God. And this peace is absolutely grounded in God's promises and presence. And Jesus himself said that this peace which transcends all understanding. Do not, heart, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And this peace is a result of our communion with God. You worship God. You worship God first in everything. And this peace is a result of our relationship with God. And this peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. And that word guard there, Paul used there, it's, it's, it's so neat. It's a military term basically. It was used um, as, a, as a way to describe a garrison of of soldiers surrounding a city to guard the city from being attacked. And being a military city, the, the Philippians absolutely understand that concept of being having a, 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 a detachment of soldiers or having a garrison of soldiers and, and guarded as a fortress, like a war city over the, over the, over the city. And God's peace is basically like a garrison of soldiers. And that's what Paul says, like a war fortress over our thoughts and our feelings so that they will be safe against the assaults of worry and anxiety. So for Paul, the only alternative to worry and anxiety is pray, pray, and pray. Let go and let God do His thing. You know, Let's have the music band up. Just as, um, just as in Mark, Peter and Andrew, you know, immediately giving up to be in control and follow God. And the urgency of language used in, in Mark, I believe, is, is so relevant today. As in Jesus is calling you and I today to let go. That's God speaking right there. 
to let go and let God. It's urgent, immediately, urgent, quick. Come on, do it. Time to stop building your own castle to be your own king. Time to stop all that. Don't build a wall to keep God out. But build a wall to keep God in. A wall of God's peace. This peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. This peace, like a wall city, like a fortress, guard against worries and anxiety. And this wall that we rebuilt from the ancient ruins with Christ as the cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. Our cornerstone. How about let's sing cornerstone? Hey. Let's stand. Come on. Father, we just want to thank you. Give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. You are our cornerstone. You are that cornerstone that we rebuild our lives back. Whatever ruins that we have in our lives, that you are the cornerstone on which we built our walls to keep you in our hearts, to keep our anxiety, to keep our worry. Help us to be, to let go, let you. Let's sing that. My hope is built. My hope is built.